Those stories of life change are the reason we do what we do at Auburn Community Church. And we know that there are so many stories that we don't get to hear. And if you have something going on in your family or something that's happened in your life that you would like to tell us to encourage our team, please email us, jesuswins at auburncommunitychurch.com. We want to celebrate what God's doing in your life and in your family. If you have your Bible, we're going to do a Bible drill from the very beginning. If you have your Bible, Bible, hold it up church, hold it up in your living room, hold it up all over the place. Soon and very soon we will have a real Bible drill here at 323 Airport Road. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. As we've been saying in the past couple of weeks, we're looking at Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 all summer. And I don't really know how long this series is going to go for. I just wanted to give us that long of a time period so that we can truly set aside the time to let these verses speak to us and let other verses from the scriptures complement them. So I don't know how long the series is going to go for, but I believe it's helping people to consider Jesus' invitation to rest for your soul. We're talking about how rest is more than a vacation. It's more than a moment or a breather that you and I need. But it's when we have close proximity to Jesus that we experience the fullness of what it means for our souls to be at rest. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, we're going to read it again, but you'll have it memorized really soon. If you're there, say I'm there. Here's what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This invitation from Jesus is so unique and different from the invitation of a typical rabbi 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, when a rabbi would talk about their yoke, they were talking about the set of teachings that they expected their disciples or followers to come under. And depending on the particular angle of the rabbi would reflect on what the disciples were expected to do. And this is amazing because Jesus is literally saying, if you decide to come to me, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. You will experience rest for your souls. What Jesus is saying is, if you come to me, I'm not waiting to give you rules and restrictions that are going to weigh down on your shoulders. I'm not telling you all these teachings that are going to be hard for you to accept and keep track of. I'm trying to free you from the burden of religion and separation from God that you've been carrying. And if you're weary and burdened today, Jesus' invitation is for you and for me. And we're a couple weeks into this series, but I was reading this passage this week and I was going, we need this right now. We need rest for our souls. And when Jesus says, if you're weary and burdened, come to me. Our country is in a season unlike any other season. 2020 has been the most crazy year. There's no other way to say it. It's been insane, all of the things that have happened at the exact same time. And in the middle of a global pandemic, we have a situation and a tragedy that has led to all kinds of different conversations and opinions and point of view about what our country needs to do moving forward. In our church, even last week, we had a moment of prayer for our African-American brothers and sisters. And wanted to lead out as best I can in compassion in response to the murder of George Floyd. 
But as I was getting this sermon ready this week, I always try to prepare with what I think our people are carrying. And as I looked at this passage, I was going, wow, regardless of someone's perspective on the issues, I think our people are weary and I think our people are burdened. I think many people have been hurt. I think many people are confused. And I think they're looking for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and offer a voice of unity and a voice of rest. And here's the reality and what I realized. I always try to craft a sermon that's going to be able to hit different life seasons and hit different backgrounds and provide enough compassion when needed, but enough conviction in other places to point us forward. And as I was getting this sermon ready, I was like, there is no way that I can say exactly what needs to be said that shows this person what they need to hear and points this person to the next conversation they need to have and fits every single agenda that's trying to be pushed right now. And so here's what I want to tell you. We are on the side of Jesus. And in the kingdom of God, there are two sides, love and hate. There are two sides, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. So this is not a time for politics with me holding this microphone right now. This is not a time for me to offend some but not others. And if I have done that in the past, I apologize. I've told y'all many times, I'm young. I'm 31, so I'm kind of getting into that stage where I need to mature a little bit. But sometimes I grab a microphone and I have moments where I go, you know what? I could have explained that better. And you know what? I need to kind of hold back because it's not clear why I'm coming so hard in that moment. And I just want to say... I am struggling to lead through this pandemic and through the response to this tragedy. I'm struggling to know how I need to lead each individual moment. And I'm definitely struggling standing in front of a camera because I can't see your face and know how you're even reacting to what I'm saying right now. I feel weary. I feel burdened. And what you don't need from me today is for me to say everything that needs to be said the exact right way to articulate it perfectly. First of all, that's impossible. But second of all, that statement isn't going to fix anything. Spirit of God is the only one who's going to heal anything in our land. And so I'm not going to try to say everything perfectly today. I am going to try to stay submitted to what God has shown me through the scriptures. I'm weary and I'm burdened. And you know what I need and you know what you need today? We need an encounter with Jesus. You don't need another news story. I'm sorry. You don't need another social media post. You don't need another speech. What you need is the son of God to tell you he is available to meet you right where you are today. And he wants to show you the next steps on your journey. And so I'm just exhausted with everything else and want to go, Jesus, would you please make your presence so clear? And I love the invitation of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He makes it so clear. Not gray, very black and white, what Jesus wants. He says, come to me. And that's the title of this sermon if you need a title. Come to me. The entire motivation behind everything Jesus says in this little section of scripture is to get people to know they don't need to hesitate to come to him. And they don't need to come to him just once. They need to come to him over the course of a lifetime because he has what they need and he has what they don't have on their own. Come to me. Have you ever said that statement to somebody? I know a lot of times when some kind of situation breaks out relationally, I end up saying to someone or people have said to me, hey, why didn't you come to me sooner? 
You ever had gossip break out or maybe a relational tension that happened and it happened because you and another person just weren't on the eye-to-eye same page relationally and they were talking to people and you were talking to people and it all got more and more complicated because there wasn't real conversation. I believe real conversation is the platform that God is going to use to change the world and that's why we're feasting on fellowship this month because I believe that the dinner table is a lot more powerful of an environment right now than sitting on a row and listening to someone from a stage. Conversations are key. But a lot of times, relational dynamics will all break down, and then you'll have a conversation with the other person, and everything that seemed so complicated, everything that seemed like it was going to blow up wasn't that big of a deal. And you're like, oh, well, if you would have just come to me with that sooner, and if I would have just come to you sooner, this would have never happened. I want you to have that moment with Jesus today about the condition of your soul. The condition on your, of your soul on a given day is directly related to how you responded to the invitation of Jesus to come to him. I'm going to say that one more time because that needs to land. The condition of your soul today is directly related to how you respond to Jesus' invitation. Three words, come to me. And for way too many of us, we think come to Jesus is a one-time event in our lives where we pray a prayer, where we decide that we want to be followers of Jesus, and we set our lives on a new trajectory, and then it goes from come to Jesus to go and do all of this stuff. And then we end up spiritually exhausted because we shifted from his heartbeat in the first place. Jesus doesn't want us to come to him one time and then be sent out forever. He wants us to come back to him again and again and again and again. As that song said, we run to the Father again and again and again because we need it that bad. And the tension that I feel in this moment is I feel like of every person I'm talking to right now, of all of you who call yourselves Christians, if I were to ask you, What do you think Jesus wants from your life in a statement? I believe that most of you would respond with some type of reiteration of the Great Commission. If you've never read the Great Commission, it's in Matthew chapter 28. It's after Jesus rose from the dead and he left his disciples with this command. It's the command for the church. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And hold on. I want to say this. If all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, you can sleep really good tonight. Just want to add that in. That's not in the plan, but somebody needs to hear that. Jesus announced all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, here's what I want you to do with that authority. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's an amazing promise. It's an amazing commission. It's the mission literally for our lives to go and make disciples. But if I asked you in this moment, what's, what does Jesus want from your life? And if you said that, the problem with responding that way is that subconsciously you've started to view Jesus' intention for your life as a mission instead of viewing Jesus' intention for your life as a position before him. Here's what I mean. Three and a half years before Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples, he said, come, follow me. And that's important because it was their decision to come follow him in the first place that led to them being sent out to go and make disciples. They wouldn't be able to go and replicate what Jesus taught them if they didn't come to him in the first place to learn his ways. You can't make disciples if you aren't one. 
Ouch. I know, savage mode to start the month of June, but we've been feasting on fellowship and I'm I'm feeling good about this message today. You can't make a disciple if you aren't one. You don't go make disciples unless you've already decided to surrender everything and come to Jesus. And so there's never a point in your relationship with God where you graduate from your simple dependency that says, Jesus, I need from you today what I can't get anywhere else. Being with Jesus is greater than doing for Jesus. And in all reality, you can't do anything for Jesus if you haven't been with Jesus because you can't pour out an empty cup. There's too many of us who are weary today trying to figure out the right thing to say, trying to figure out the right thing to do, trying to be the change we want to see in the world. But listen, the world doesn't need you to try to make a change. The world needs you to surrender to Jesus and do things his way. And I mean this more than I've ever meant anything from our stage before. The solution our world is looking for is the same solution that our souls long for. The breath of God, the spirit of God. There is no hope. There is no life outside of Jesus. And so what we need today to find rest for our souls is we need to remember that before Jesus has called us to go to all the world and make disciples, he's called us to come to him and learn from him and find rest for our souls in him alone. I want to take you to that moment where Jesus called those first disciples, if I could. If you're in Matthew chapter 11, go back just a couple of chapters. Go to Matthew chapter 4. This is seven chapters back of where we just were in Matthew chapter 11. And I want to watch, I want to read to you this moment where Jesus calls some of the most prominent disciples. And it's a moment that many of you have, many of you have read growing up, but I want you to see how radical the call is that Jesus gives them. And this is years before Jesus ever sends the disciples out to go and preach the gospel all over the world in light of his resurrection. Here's Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 18. Here's what it says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. If you've been watching the TV show The Chosen, and you've downloaded that app on your phone, the scene that they capture of this moment is so powerful. It's so impactful. And if you haven't been watching that show, it brings to life the relational side of Jesus in a way that I don't think any filmmakers have ever captured before. So you need to check out The Chosen. But I want to take you into this moment because this is the ultimate invitation from Jesus. He shows up. He's walking on their territory. He's talking to Andrew. And he's talking to Simon Peter, and he says, come follow me. Now, if you and I were on a beach right now, and and a 30-year-old Jewish man walked up and said, hey, come follow me, that would be a little bit creepy. But there was some things in the culture 2,000 years ago where Simon and Andrew knew exactly what Jesus was saying. They knew he was a Jewish rabbi. They knew that the power of God was on him, and they knew that the invitation to come and follow him was a significant upgrade from their position in life. Fishermen were lower middle class. They were, they were not like terribly off, but they definitely weren't the elite. They definitely weren't that important. And for Jesus to go, hey, you can leave behind your current reality to come and follow me. This is the invitation into an adventure of a lifetime. And Jesus specifically says, he says, I'll teach you how to fish for people. I will add significance to your life. I'll add purpose to your life. I'll add value. But here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to drop that to come with me. 
Anytime you ever decide to come to Jesus, it will involve and include the surrender of what you're currently holding. And when you compare the lives that they had following Jesus to the lives that they were currently living, this looks like a no-brainer. But in the moment, the dropping of the net was the dropping of everything they had ever known, specifically their comfort and their livelihood and partly their identity. And Jesus says, come, follow me. They drop their nets and follow him. The rest that your soul is longing for today is on the other side of you dropping whatever you're holding on to instead of Jesus. It's surrender. See, there's a direct relationship in the scriptures between true rest and full surrender. You might want to write that down. True rest equals full surrender. And what I mean by that is your soul is always going to be in turmoil when there are things in your life, when there are worldviews in your life, when there are comforts in your life that you're holding on to and unwilling to turn over to the one who gives you peace. And so when Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul, what you need to understand is that this is more than the invitation from the Son of God to come and whisper kind things in your ear and tell you what you want to hear about yourself and about your future and feel comfort. This is the invitation from the Son of God for you to give up your comfort so that he can give you what you really want. The call of Jesus to come and follow him is the most radical call of all. It was five years ago that I preached a message in our church. It was called Come and Go. And very few of you probably heard it. There was probably 100 people in the room, but I talked about how Jesus' initial call, Come Follow Me, is ultimately followed with Go Make Disciples, which is one of the things I love about being in Auburn, Alabama, because a lot of people who come to our church end up going out to be sent out all over the world. That's happening this summer in real time. It's a beautiful mission to be a part of. But what I said was, If you're going to come to Jesus, you're going to have to accept coming to him on the terms that he offers. And it's a radical gospel. And when I said radical gospel five years ago, I wanted our people to know we are not calling people to repeat after me and pray a prayer. We're not calling people to be willing to have their head dunked underwater so that we can celebrate a moment of baptism. All those things are great. But what we're calling people to is the radical message of Jesus. Give up everything that your life could have been about or would have been about and come experience something so much better. But watch this. That's the basics of what it means to be a Christian, not what it means to be a superstar Christian. So I know we meet people who are giving up everything to follow Jesus. We get around people who literally are basing their entire lives around what this book says. And we go, that's really radical. You're like one of those radical Christians. You're kind of crazy because you actually like try to live the things that you read about in this book. And what you come to realize when you read about the life of Jesus is there's no such thing as a radical Christian. It's not radical Christianity that we're preaching. It's biblical Christianity that we're preaching. If you believe the Bible, then you believe that the only pursuit of Jesus is the surrender of everything. And I actually believe the reason why your soul's in so much turmoil today is that we have a lot of Christians who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And at the exact same time, they're holding on to their worldview. They're holding on to their family tradition. They're holding on to their wealth. They're holding on to their addictions. They're holding on to a relationship they should have given up years ago. They're holding on to something and they're going, why isn't my soul at rest? And Jesus is going, if you're going to come to me you got to drop that if you're going to come to me today 
what's driving you crazy right now is that you have something in your hand that you need to put down. And as I say that right now, and many of you are convicted about something, I cannot help but think about my phone for me. If you're going to come to me, you got to put that down for a second and actually make the journey toward me. This is biblical Christianity, y'all. It shouldn't be weird when someone is living a life that looks like it should fit into this book. That should be normal. And if you're following Jesus today and this season has been a call so far outside of your comfort zone, if Jesus has called you to move to a new city or a new community recently and you're feeling like, I don't know if I'm where I'm supposed to be and everything feels so uncertain, you need to know you are right where you are called to be because Jesus does his best work of showing you who he is and who you are when you are lost for what's going to happen next. But we shouldn't feel so lost in those situations. In fact, we should feel like our lives are fitting in with the very story that was written for us to know God. It was about a month ago, I was having a a great conversation. Conversations between people with two different worldviews can be the most fruitful moments of our lives. We need that more often right now. And I had many of those conversations this week. And I had a bunch of them uh, a month ago as well. Uh, this, This woman had a lot of questions about a sermon that I had preached from the Bible. And she was wondering what I meant by certain statements and wondering about my heart for people. And as we talked for the better part of an hour, even though we have completely different views of the world, world and we have completely different opinions about who Jesus is and what he means for our lives. She started to understand where I was coming from and I'll never forget when it clicked for her. She was like, oh wow, I didn't realize this. You actually think everyone that you're talking to when you preach is an eternal soul who will live forever. And so you think you're loving them by telling them explicitly what that book says. And I said, yes, yes, that is exactly what is happening in this conversation. And and her response was, see, I thought Christians only threw on the whole heaven thing and the resurrection thing when a funeral happened to make themselves feel better. And, oh, he's in a better place and she's in a better place. She's like, I've never met someone who actually actively believes that people are going to go to heaven or hell and that people are going to exist eternally. And what we do right now impacts that reality. And I was like, well, you're talking to one right now because I believe what this book says and I actually find rest from submitting and surrendering my life to what this book teaches. It's a beautiful thing. But that shouldn't be so rare for us. That shouldn't be so far off. That shouldn't be such a moment where we go, oh, wow, that person is so radical because they're actually dropping everything to go follow Jesus regardless of the cost. That is actually where true rest comes from. Jesus, when he was asked about the greatest commandment of all, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. ACC kids, they're learning that verse right now. And Inniston, my oldest daughter, is learning how to memorize it. And I am loving ACC kids online. And if you have children, we have specific content for their age group. It's been powerful. I think she has benefited from watching church online because she's so excited about it every Sunday morning. But that's the verse that we're working on learning. That's Jesus' ultimate command. Here's what's so funny about Jesus. When he's asked what the greatest command is, he gives a command that's impossible without coming to him. You will never love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You know that, right? I love that he gives a command 
that gets you to the end of yourself and go, I can't love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, no matter how hard I try. And I definitely can't love my neighbor as I love myself. I have a problem called sin. And he goes, here I am. Come to me. Too many of us have been trying to take the mandates of Scripture, the instructions for how we live our lives, and we're trying to do it in our own strength. And then we're coming back to Jesus exhausted going, we, we can't do this. I'm not going to make it. I'm weary. I'm burdened. And I believe Jesus is looking at us today going, exactly. You were never supposed to leave the initial idea of coming to me for everything that you need. You can't go and do that unless you come to me. That's where I am today. I don't think I can move on leading us any further if my heart is not filled up from the reality that I need from Jesus everything for life and godliness. And the amazing thing about the New Testament is that we have it, but we don't have it if we're not relationally connected to him. And so when I read the scriptures, I I don't read things in a book that was written thousands of years ago that I need to memorize or just apply to my life. I read the ultimate invitation from my heavenly father to get from Jesus what I can't get anywhere else, namely the love of God that fills my heart to be able to love the world from a position of overflow. I want to show you something about coming to Jesus that you have probably never seen before in the scriptures. It's from John chapter 6. And if I had a chapter of scripture that has been the most impactful on how I view our church and how I view ministry, it might be John chapter 6. This is the moment where Jesus feeds 5,000 people and everybody starts following him because he does miracles like give away free food. Trust me, you would follow him. If randomly he makes food come out of nothing and he's like, okay, I'm going over here. You're like, okay, we're going over there. So thousands of people are following Jesus. And there's a moment where Jesus invites them to understand this is deeper than a miracle about bread and some fish. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the one you need so that you don't ever go hungry again and and the people don't understand. And it's Jesus' speech trying to get them to understand that led me to write the sermon series, Jesus Wins. The banner, headline of our church, Jesus Wins, comes from John chapter six. And right in the middle of that speech, there's a verse about the unconditional love of God that tells us how to come to Jesus that will wreck your heart if you actually see what's written here. Look at John chapter six, verse 37. Let this hit you, I'll read it twice. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away read it again all those the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away Jesus' invitation to come to him for everything that you need today is amazing when you get this glimpse into the sovereignty of God, it takes your breath away. Jesus says, before you ever decided to come to me, my father gave you to me. The song we sang earlier said, my heart has been in your sight long before my first breath. Running into your arms is running to life from death. What does that mean? 
all those the Father gives me will come to me. It means your coming to Jesus is not the moment you arrived in the arms of Jesus. It's the confirmation that your heavenly Father placed you in the arms of Jesus. So don't believe today that there's a way of coming to Jesus or an explanation that you have to offer to get back right in your relationship with him. You're coming to him is you remembering that God in Christ Jesus chose you before the foundation of the world. And then Jesus says, and anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. Why would he? Because Jesus is receiving us, not in and of ourselves, but from his Father. And the Father delights to give us to the Son. And Jesus delights to take us in and represent us for God. Do you know where Jesus is right now? Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. You know when God the Father looks down from heaven and sees your life, he's got Jesus in one ear going, I love them, I'm for them, forgive them. Don't give up on them. It's not over. And at the exact same time, he lives on the inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Father's not over there going, okay, now I'm not mad at them just because you said so, Jesus. It's the Father who gave you to Jesus in the first place. So here's your rest today, ACC. You can surrender everything to Jesus because when you know the love of God for yourself, you have no other choice. He's that good. He's that sovereign. He's that powerful. And no, I don't know all the right ways to explain the timeline of, okay, well, if, if the Father set you aside here, then how does, how does sovereignty and free will overflow? That's not the message of today. The message of today is God loves you. And there's nothing that you're expected to conjure up to come into his presence. All you need to do is let go. So what are you holding on to? How do you go get to full surrender so that your heart can get to true rest? Do me a favor right here, right now. Would you just bow your head? Would you just close your eyes? I want you to think about something in this moment. I want you to think right now about what is keeping your soul from being at rest. It's that thing that you're holding on to that you need to come to Jesus and just let go of. For me personally, it's my own need to control the narrative of how I lead us through coronavirus and the racial reconciliation that needs to have in our country. I don't have it in and of myself and I need to come to Jesus and go I can't control this I can't do this well would you help me what is it that you're holding on to right now bring it to him because the reason why Jesus wants you to surrender everything in order to follow him it's not because he just wants to be radical and call you to some crazy amount of obedience it's because he wants to carry what you're holding let him have it give it over right here right now this is your moment to surrender Name it out loud, right where you are. Name it. What do you need to surrender at the feet of Jesus? Would you come to him now? Heavenly Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters who are receiving this message from all over the world. I pray that you give them the boldness and the willingness to surrender. I pray that they would fall on their knees once again and be reminded that self-sufficiency is never what you called us to. You called us to total dependency. We surrender again. God, we admit we've left behind our first love. We've tried to accomplish things on our own and it's left us restless and weary and burdened. God, every burden laid down at your feet. Here you go. 
in the name of Jesus, I pray for a, a guy, girl, man or woman listening right now who doesn't even know whether or not they're in your family. Would you remind them what the finished work of the blood of Jesus has done on their behalf? God, I thank you for calling us to give up everything because you want to carry it. Thank you for carrying our sin. Thank you for carrying our situations. Thank you for carrying the unity of all people that's going to happen forever and ever in heaven. And until then, we trust you. We're going to follow you. We believe your word. We're not going to apologize for your word. We're going to hold on to it because it's life and love for us. We surrender. It's not ours to control. It's not ours to hold on to. Hear our prayer today, God. Receive our songs. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.